Hello, and welcome to Shore Stories. My name is George. Shore Stories explores nearshoring, specifically in Latin America. And this episode is special because instead of focusing on a more general topic, I want to focus on a specific industry and look at how that industry uses offshore and nearshore talent. The industry that I want to look at right now is uh, design and development agencies. So it's my pleasure to have on the podcast Arlton Lowry of Few. So just an overview of Few. It's a design and development agency, about 10 years old. They have around 25 full-time employees, 10 or so contractors, obviously goes up and down depending on client needs. And they've done work for all types of companies, big corporations like Walmart, Wells Fargo, but also cooler stuff like museum work and things like that. Another very interesting thing about Few is they're not based in uh, New York or SF or LA or one of the kind of hotspots for design talent. No, their headquarters are in Little Rock, Arkansas which is not necessarily known for being the talent hotspot that some of the other cities that I mentioned are. And I love Little Rock. My mom is from there, actually, so I can say stuff about it. But it creates an interesting kind of dynamic where they might need to look outside of their own city for the kinds of people they need to hire. And so in this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about how Arlton got started with Few, how he found his first remote offshore talent in Mexico specifically, and also pitfalls around hiring and managing those people so that if you're in the same boat, you don't do them. Anyway, without further ado, let's get started. So why don't guide me, me George? Guide me. Yeah, let me guide you. Let me guide you with the <laughs> question number one. Question number one. No, no. I guess for anybody who I'm sure many people uh, don't know about few. So probably the easiest question, just like at a very high level, what is and also like how big is it with like company yeah. size, employees, whatever that kind of stuff. Whatever yeah, you absolutely. share, obviously. Absolutely. So Few is a design development agency. We design and build web and mobile applications, products for startups. We work with organizations uh, around the world, really, but but mainly in, in the U.S. Uh, we've got uh, we've worked in large markets like Chicago, New York, uh, L.A., Dallas, um, Miami. Uh, we've got folks spread out across the U.S. as well. So well, we have people in those markets and other other places throughout the uh, the U.S. We've been doing this. We, we're we're celebrating our our ten year anniversary this year. So it's it's quite a yeah, man. It's it's been a wild ride. This thing has definitely evolved and changed over the years, and it's been wild to watch it to 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 get to where it's at. I think we we have about 25, 26 people right now full time. We work with 10 contractors at the moment. I think that our peak at the, in 22 or 
21 was like 35 employees with 10 contractors. So we, we, we pull back a little bit depending on how the ebb and flow of the market is. And so, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about you, man. What's the coolest project you guys did in the past? I don't know, like two. Oh man. Like the well, there's a couple, man. We've done stuff for, we've done stuff. This is really cool, interesting, uh, uh, display technology uh, with Walmart that was really fun. We did these. We designed and researched, strategized these displays that would go on shelves mm-hmm. for their for their labels, and that was a really fun one. So it's a shopper marketing kind of thing that they do. So we did that. That was a great one. We've worked with museums to design and build interactive displays and experiences. We've designed and built a AR experience for Wells Fargo out of, for a location out of Philadelphia. We have built a number of platforms for startups to help get their ideas off the ground, which is something we really enjoyed doing. One of them was a Webby nominee in 22. So we've been gotten some really cool traction in those in the, the award space we've known for our design but we also like to own the development as well so that we can actually make sure that what we design is built to the attention to detail that we designed it so we're very particular and have high standards on the code design got it so you guys will do everything like if a client comes to you the strategy and then just yeah. like user experience control line feel and then yeah everything and then build it yeah concept of scale is our shtick is like you come to us we're not going to just sell you on building something we want to make sure that you build the right thing and so we can come in we've done this a number of organizations and startups where they have an idea of what they want to do but they don't fully have it fleshed out or understand like all that goes into it maybe it's like a non-technical co-founder or something along those lines. Maybe it's a private equity or a venture capital group that has a a startup or organization that they've invested in and they're trying to figure out how to help guide them on this path uh, of of building out their product, taking it to market, and then supporting it. We've worked with a number of different organizations where we've helped build out their teams after we've I, after we get the, the product launched, so we, we get it out the door, we get, we get it's a great spot. It's, it's scalable. It's, it's a solid foundation. And then we help them build out their technical team so that they can take that and grow their team internally. So that they don't have to lean on us for every single thing. Uh, that's success to us. We're not trying to. You want to lock them in with you. Yeah. We're not trying to lock them in. I, our reputation is our. It's our sales. Our, our, that's, that's our selling point is we want to make sure that we deliver the highest quality design, development, product, strategy, UX, branding possible. And then once that's out there, that's our calling card. That's who did that. You did that. Like, and, and it's very important for us to deliver. That's a, it's surprising. <laughs> It's actually surprising in this industry how how there's a lot of agencies, organizations that don't deliver, and they put out a lot of promises and they they under deliver on on what they what they said they're going to do. And so, we strive to make sure that we hit that mark every time. 
And if we don't, or if there's something, some hiccup, we own it and we fix it. And so it's, yeah, it's really important to us. Gotcha. So the talent, the quality bar and the quality promise is very high. So obviously this podcast is about you know, hiring people abroad. And yeah. I know you guys do it because uh -huh. a few years ago, I remember talking with you about potentially hiring people yeah. in Mexico. I'd love to hear from you. How did you mean guys get started with that? Was that something that was baked in the company at the beginning? Or was it more something that you figured out along the way? So we, the, the first time we considered hiring outside of the United States, I was on this cruise with the, the group of business owners, other agency owners and stuff like that. It was Something a good friend of mine put together, Alan Branch, he, he has a company called Less Everything. He used to organize a conference called Less Comp. And so he put on this cruise, got all these guys together. It was a fun little excursion. And so we're on this cruise, first time we're on a cruise. And as a business owner, I'm constantly thinking about like, you know, how, do, how do I improve on these things? Like, and I'm constantly thinking of the problems or the, or contemplating solutions on things. And I, we're talking about needing to scale this project, when you're talking about, it needed to scale it quickly. And when you're talking about scaling quickly and, and wanting to keep a high uh, bar of quality, that's challenging because you got to try to find the people, you got to interview them, you got to hire them, they got to like, they got to work out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, little elements at play there. And there's so many pitfalls along the way. Well, I got introduced to a guy on this cruise who was connected with an organization out of an agency out of Monterey, Mexico. Like and, a, a recruiting agency. No, it wasn't a recruiting agency. It's another agency. Down oh, like another right? dev. Like yeah, a, it was like a dev focus. And so I was like, okay, that's interesting. I'll entertain that. And so I met these folks out of, of Monterey, went down there, went to their offices, got to know the, the and, and built a relationship. And that's our first foray into like outside the United States working with folks. And that went pretty well. There were some hiccups with that. And I can get into that if you like. But that was our first kind of kind of foray into this so it was really it was a partnership with another agency it wasn't really yes. hiring people well they obviously hire their they hire people inside, for you yeah inside of inside mexico there's a huge talent pool in mexico especially in these hubs like monterey or guadalajara or obviously mexico city there's a lot of talent down there and we haven't fully tapped into as much as probably we should honestly but we've outside of that first experience, we've actually hired folks that are in Mexico, like one-off things like through like LinkedIn or like we work remotely or other different platforms. And it's been a mixed bag of results on that. Well, so, and, and maybe it's probably because we didn't, we didn't have somebody like you helping vet that process. Most likely. Uh, and I think, no, seriously, it's like, it's, it's very crucial to, because there's a lot of assumptions you go into when you hire somebody in their remote and you're like, okay, well, this person's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And when they're only able to do X or, or only to be able to do Y, you're like, oh man, now, now i got to find somebody else that can do X, Y, and Z or things along those lines. I do know of a couple agencies that have, and, and groups, organizations, you and I both know one in particular, that have built up full teams down in like Guadalajara, for instance, like a hundred developers and like, that's their whole development force down there. Yeah. And it's just something we haven't leaned into. That's something that we're planning on doing this year. 
one of our big kind of overarching goals for this year is to really lean into increasing our, our contract engagement. There's a lot of benefit for hiring contract versus W-2. W-2, there's a lot of overhead, legality yeah. stuff, taxes, all these things. And while we love to hire WT in the U.S., I think that's one of the things we're looking at is really growing our contract engagements over this year. So, And when you say contract engage- engagements, are these people that you're like, you're hiring full-time contractors, which is something that you can do in Mexico? Or are you talking more about like temp, like project-based kind of thing? Uh, it would be, we would, our... I think our goal is to hire contractors full-time. It would be a full-time thing. Uh, it's more hourly-based, if that's what's... Yeah, yeah, you know, it could be. Like, but they act, be yeah, yeah. yeah, but they act, they act and they are part of the team. Um, yep. And so that's what we're looking at right now. But you're right. There are a couple different ways of approaching it. I know that, again, I know this one group that they hire like full-time legal employees, like, like our W2 kind of yeah. like IRS thing in Mexico, they have their whole team is, well, not the, I'm sure their whole team, but a majority of their team is hired in Mexico and they're legally bound to them. Yeah. So there, from my experience, there's, that is one way of doing it where you use an employer, either use an employer of record or mm-hmm. you actually create your own subsidiary, like a Mexican legal entity and actually somebody else who I just a few weeks ago did that but they are a later stage startup they are hoping to go public I think at one point and so there's all these like levels of scrutiny that are given to them that like a smaller company doesn't really need to deal with as much I could Uh, see that I could see that but I would say the vast majority of small businesses that are hiring in Mexico or other places in Latin America do what you're saying, which is basically paying dollars, contractor set up, and then that person can manage their own benefits and healthcare. And obviously healthcare outside of the U.S. is not so insane. Um, mm. And it doesn't have to necessarily be, a, it's not attached to an employer in the same way. In yeah, the U.S., yeah. you need your health insurance. You need a job because a job means health insurance. Absolutely. Um, otherwise, yeah. it'll cost you like, I don't know, thousands a month. But in, in Mexico, it's not that big. It's not that big of a deal. Health insurance is like maybe seven bucks a month or something. Depending, yeah, Mexico Mexico is great, but there there's a lot of there's a lot of talented folks throughout Latin America and yep. South America. Like I know that there was there's I know groups that go in and they actually partner or they have like their business partners are are in like in Latin America. Like I think that uh, there was. Actually, this is not Latin America. This is uh, in South America, but it's uh, Uruguay. I know of a group in Uruguay that majority of their employees are in Uruguay, but obviously they're benefiting from the cost, the difference of, of cost of like having full-time folks there versus here in the U.S. It's We really love hiring in the U.S. and we obviously want to like support the economy yeah, sure. and everything. It's, it's not that we don't want to do that. It's that the cost is, the cost of running a business is so expensive. And there's so many like legal thing, ramifications and trying to balance that is really challenging. Obviously, it's challenging when you think about like if you want to build a company culture, but even with a company culture in a remote based environment, what is that? Yep. And how do you foster that? How do you maintain that? Like I mentioned to you before we jumped on there, the majority of our employees are here in the, in the U.S., 
but even our local employees that live here, we have this office that we just, we, we bought this building and renovated and made it our office. They don't even come into the office and that's perfectly fine. We, we don't expect anybody to come into this physical location. It's nice to have for, for events and to have a place, but it's like, what is company culture? What does that mean in 2024? But, but if you're already like, that's the thing. If, if your people are already remote, it doesn't matter where you hire them or where they're yep. located, uh, because as long as they're doing the work and you enjoy working with them, that's all that matters. And I'm, one of my, one of my first experiences into this was like years ago before I started few, I, I worked for the Mozilla foundation on this project. I was a contractor and I was a designer, I was a product designer and a contractor. And I remember vividly working on this team, which is something I'd never done before. I'm, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so working on this team and my project manager is in Athens, Greece. The guy over the, the whole project is in South Africa. I've got a UX designer I'm collaborating with in Portland, Oregon. The main developer is in Toronto. And there's another designer in the UK. And then there's another developer in Germany. Wow. And I'm, it was just, it was, I, I remember I had a sticky note on my computer, my monitor, where I was like, how many hours ahead or behind people were. Uh, Slack wasn't a thing at that time. I don't think, yeah, it was not, it was not a thing, but it's, I think I was probably doing that all on Photoshop, but it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it, there's that book. I, ha, I haven't read it. Maybe I read it. It's, the world is flat or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Oh, I know that book. It was, it was, it was, it was ahead of its it time. A popular I, book like 10, 15 years ago, I think. Yeah, I, I watched a, a talk that he gave. That's that's probably where the reference in my mind comes from. And that's very eye-opening. It's If you get too focused, here's the thing. If you get too focused on your city, your location, your, your city, your city, your region, your state, if you get too focused on those elements and you don't think about what's outside of them, you're going to stagnate. You're hurting yourself. You're not, you're not going to be able to keep up. That's just how it is. Cost, talent, you got to go where the talent's at and you got to give people what they want. You want to keep them. So. so would you, if you were to like redo few, let's say, would you change anything? Would you have it be a much more international organization with just a few people in the U.S.? Or would you, or maybe separated by job type, stuff like that? Or, or have any thought to how you would do so, it? I think the best... The, and you, you said if there's anything I would change and or start over it again. Well, what's been so fascinating about this, I mentioned we've been doing this for 10 years. Every year it's changed. It's like, like I look back on it and this company is not the same company it was in 22 or uh, it's been wild to see how it evolved. Um, but to get back to your question about the organization of, of 2024, I think the the best structure, I think it's very important, depending on your org size, it's very important to consider org chart uh, when you hit around 20 people, something like that. You've really got to be thinking about roles and responsibilities and who answers to what and all that. That's very crucial. Otherwise, it's chaos. And you yourself as a business owner or a CEO or president, or, you know, you can manage those people, but you really need to set up a structure to where you, you can focus on growing the business and other elements. I think in 24, the best structure to be thinking about is to have your core group 
of people that are like just the bedrock of the organization. Right now we have our directors, we have our leadership, our biz dev, all those folks. Those people are, they are few. And then below them, we have leads and we have senior level and then we have production. When you get down to production, that is, you're not, that doesn't, honestly, as long as you're a good coder or designer or elements like that, you've got the oversight, you've got the direction above you. And so definitely the production level, outsource that. Don't go to, I wouldn't go to Fiverr or, sure, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, yes. anything like that. Upward, I would work with an, an individual like yourself to find that, that production level of folks. But as you go up the tier, I think you can still find folks outside of your area, your region, anywhere in the world that can meet that quality that you require. But when it comes to the director level or even maybe the lead level, I would probably hesitate uh, on that. I, that would have to be a relationship grown over many years to get to that level, I think. Got you. So it is something that somebody remote or abroad would be able to get promoted into. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like just because somebody is, is contract or you're working with them uh, remotely doesn't mean that there isn't growth opportunity. Talent is talent and uh, you got to foster it. Um, so. Yeah, no, I, I obviously agree with you. I think there's, especially like just from your experience in Mexico, probably seen that there's a lot of really great people. Yeah. A couple of years back I did, I did some traveling. I did about six months of traveling, went to Bali for a little bit, went to to Melbourne, spent some time in Singapore and New York. And I think that might've been when I met you originally in the first oh, time. I think so. No, a long time. Long time. It feels like a long time ago anyway. Um, <laughs> a lot of things have happened since then, buddy. Yeah. You're in Spain. So, <laughs> so well, now I've lost track of what it was. was oh yeah. Oh, so, so through that experience, Again, I was being able to see with my own eyes, working out of these co-working spaces with people from around the world, and they are just doing their jobs, just like I'm doing my job. It doesn't matter when you did it or where you're doing it, as long as you're able to do it. And that's the world we're in these days. You're not, you don't have to come to a physical location to do your job. When it comes to the stuff we do, design, development, there are certain elements, like obviously it's important to have it in person, but for the most part, it's just... The world's your oyster. Just have an internet connection, you're golden. Yeah, no, I I agree. Do you, like most, obviously we're talking a lot about Latin America. Are you open to people in different time zones? Like non-aligned time zones? Like somebody in, I don't know, Poland or the Philippines or Bali or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that there, that's perfectly fun. I think that there is, a layer of collaboration that is lost in that when you're not, when there's not some overlap in time. So for instance, when I was in Bali, I made sure half of my day overlapped with the half of the day here in, in, in Arkansas, Little Rock. And so it was really important to make sure that there was some level of overlap for meetings, for engagement, for direction, for business development, for whatever. Otherwise it's, if you're solo out there and you're not overlapping at least a couple hours, there's a missed opportunity for feedback and things take longer. It's slower kind of feedback loop and it's just more of a challenge. Oh, I assume but, you, uh, but, but there's a ton of talent in Asia, by the way, there's a ton of talent. Yeah, no, I imagine. I guess you just have to set up your processes in a slightly different way so that you're yeah, collaborating, yeah. but it can't, it, it has to be a bit slower. It, well, that's from the agency perspective. Like if you're, 
But if you're building it on an app and you're a part of a product team, you got one product you're building, there's features for this product, and you got your Jira board there, you've got your epics, you've got your like your, your sprints all lined up. Sometimes, and, and those things don't necessarily require that big of an overlap or an overlap at all. But for what we do, there's there needs to be some communication that happens back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine who who has an agency. He started in Japan. He's from Pennsylvania. And he uh, he started an agency in Japan and all of his talent was was in throughout Asia. Vietnam, China, and it didn't matter where it was at, but and he had a great experience doing that. I think he had like thirty people or something like that. It was wild. But yeah, again, talented people everywhere, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. I think especially the, I mean, the U.S. is such a big country. People have a tendency to just stay in the U.S. and look only within the U.S. as their options. But well, I, I admire agencies that are able to hold to that so that they can build the agency at the level that they want to build in the U.S. But there is a lot of overhead. There's a lot of cost and a lot though. of... Yeah, it's, it is wild. Another agency guy I was talking to, he's got 400 people. They're all U.S. based and they're out of, out of, they're out of Portland. And I was asking. cost of living. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I just, like talking to him, I was getting stressed. I was like sweating. (laughs) How are are you doing this? That's when the pay Uh cycle hits. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's always very interesting. So how does it work with those guys? Are they just more expensive than you or are they just taking away sh- smaller profit than you like, what are, what are... i I, was, I think that it's that they have better connections relationships they're in larger markets they're physically there they have like the relationships they built over time there is a little bit of luck involved some agencies like i'll pit us against anybody like anybody in the world really you know, metal labs or the or, or whatever it just so happens that organizations like metal lab metal lab they they design Slack. And so, bam, you're, you got a golden ticket. Sure. And now it's huge. So that's a little bit of what's a play when it comes to agency worlds. Like you, you build that really reputation on what you've designed and built and you can, sometimes you can ride that wave. So. Yeah. So that's great, but obviously it's hard to engineer that. That's Yeah. That, no, again, that it comes can in a lot. be challenging to engineer. <laughs> but like, do you think that this guy with the 400 person agency in Portland is he thinking about room, like hiring people somewhere else? Is he like, because obviously you're not him. What would you imagine? Well, I think it's obviously there's a comfort level with his clients of doing something like that or what they expect for what they're paying. Because he should charge very high rates. Mm-hmm. So there may be some expectations around that. I would be surprised if he hasn't considered it or they haven't, haven't had a conversation with their C-level folks or leadership because running a business, you want to try to be as profitable as possible. You want to be as efficient as possible. You want to look for ways of growing and being better. And part of that is looking for talent that is still at the level of, of what you're wanting, but maybe it's not as a huge of, of an investment. And then maybe you're able to hire more talent because you're able to make that, that there's sure. savings there. So you're able to grow more in whatever direction you want. Um, yeah, no, I'm just shocked that people don't do it. You know what I mean? Like there's people a lot are of- comfortable with things and maybe the clients are like, oh, it has to be American or I'm not interested. 
but I just, I don't know. It just seems weird to not, maybe they are, maybe they're going to do it. I just feel well, like consider it. I remember that there was this horror story my previous business partner used to talk about sometimes. He was working for another agency. We had both put our jobs and started this one, but he had, there was a project that he was working on with a group out of like Boston or something. And there was a product they were working on, and it must have been a .NET or something just archaic like that, but he, they had some issues with the code and they're like, what's going on with the code? And he, they, they were using some talent that was overseas and he went into the code base and somebody had misspelled like some kind of like word, like oh. throughout the code base. And it was just like, it was painful for them to have to go and fix all that. I think there are, I, that's literally 12 years ago that I think some of that stuff has, has been worked through. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think some of those problems have subsided. I'm not saying it's, it, you got to be mindful. If you're going to go out and say, hey, I'm going to work with somebody overseas and you're like, you've got a super cheap mindset, you're going to get the bottom of the barrel, you're going to you're gonna get what you pay for. Sure. Just because they're remote doesn't mean it's like super cheap. Yep. If that's your mindset, I wouldn't do it. I would go hire from college graduates or something like that. Just because if, if your budget is really low, you got to be really careful because you're going to spend a lot of money going through people to try to find somebody that meets what you need them to do. Cause it's just like, it's just like here in the U S obviously there's levels of, of experience and the more, the higher skill set you have, the more you cost. It's just how it is. Yeah. No, I deal with a lot of dental clients that come into um, Latin America with the idea that we are going to just get the cheat, it's like everything is so cheap. Like I'm going to hand them a dollar and they're going to be so grateful. And that's certainly not the case for talented employees. There's also, I'll say this, there's also a little bit of a level of just treating people you want to be treated as well. You want to pay people what they're worth. Uh, yeah, their cost of living is lower. Lifestyle might be lower. So you're able to save a little bit there. But that doesn't mean you're just like going to go and just hire people just to, and pay them like just terrible wages. It's like, you, you need to treat people fairly, no matter where they're at. And so that's something we're mindful of as well. Like I said, we've done some hiring overseas. Like one of our employees, actually him and his, him and his family live in Mexico and they love it. The they love, yeah. Yeah. No, they're from here. They moved out of Mexico. Oh, they wow, just love cool. living down. They love the lifestyle, love the people, love the culture, love the food. And so they live down there and Mexico I've been a couple of times. It's a wonderful place. Wonderful people, just a great country. And it's, again, it comes back to, do we pay him less because he's there? He could probably make more if he was like in a larger market where he costs a lot more because we would, he would need to be compensated for the cost of living. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like one thing that guy I was telling you about with the foreign employees in the U S when they went remote, he told me that they have a structure for pay, depending on where you're at or the market you're at in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so it's a tiered structure. So I think there's like, I think he said there was three tiers. There was like tier one is, is higher paying, but you're in like San Francisco, New York sure. or whatever. And then maybe like the second tier is something like Indianapolis and Detroit, Chicago. I don't know. Yeah. Or Dallas. And then there's a lower tier where it's like you're in, in Little Kansas Rock. City or Little Rock or like whatever. It's like, yeah. and so they structured that where it's 
it, it makes sense depending on your cost of living. So, which I thought was smart and a good way of approaching it. You could just extend it down to like Lima. Absolutely. Yeah. So no side. I mean, it's absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. You mentioned earlier on this chat a little bit about pitfalls, pitfalls like issues mm. that I'd love. I'd be, I think people would be interested in hearing like, you know, any sort of words of wisdom or warnings or anything that you got from your experience. Yeah, I've got a couple for you. The agency partner that we worked with out of Monterey, they were great. They're easy to work with. The talent they provided was really awesome. But the way they're, the way they were structured, we didn't have consistent people throughout the project. And we had one project that was really important that we we're working on. So they would switch out people and it was very, it wasn't, Ooh, help, it. wasn't helpful. wasn't helpful. So, so be mindful of that. Make sure that if, if you're working like with the a group like would that, be, would, like you People you have to really learn. what was going on. Ah, got it. I yeah, just... yeah. So that was a pitfall. That was a frustration. Obviously, the language barrier. Make sure, obviously, the coding and design, all those things are really important. But being able to have a conversation, convey ideas is, is really important. I like, culturally, Latin America is more in the same kind of societal kind of dynamics as the U.S., meaning that there's some societies out there throughout the, the world that you tell them to do something or like you have that task for them to do and they do that task, but there's no like, there's no gray area. There's no like collaboration or like yeah. or pushback or like thinking outside the box. And what I love about Latin America and South America is it's a collaborative engagement is that we are setting out together to design or build something. It's not just being tasked with something. There's a bit of a collaborative element there. So they're going to help you make sure that you design and build the best product possible. And I really appreciate that. That's something to be thinkful, thinking about. And that also goes back to what we've talked about. You're paying somebody lower. They're just, they're probably very new to this or whatever they're doing. They're, yeah. And being mindful of you get what you pay for. And if you need help building your product, if you're like a non-technical person or a designer, you have an idea and you just want to hire talent to do it. You need people that are going to challenge you and that are going to like help, help you design and build the right thing, not just build something that's crucial. Let me see here. I think language barrier definitely. If you were getting into this, thinking about dipping your toes into this and into hire remotely offshore, nearshore, whatever, I would definitely look at Mexico, Latin America, South America before I went anywhere else, just simply because when you're. When you're working with somebody in Asia or India or like wherever, Ukraine, that time difference is something you have to grow into or understand. So it's easier to work with people in your fairly close time zone. So I would encourage people to look at that, uh, especially when you're first starting out doing this. Definitely, it's important. And I'm not trying to pitch you, but like working with someone like you to figure out what, what talent. Yeah, because if you're going into this, you need to know what, what you don't need to know. Well, you need, you need to know what you don't know. Uh, you yes. need somebody to help you guide you there. And that's when having a Sherpa like you <laughs> guide, guide you down the path is super important. So we we'll definitely encourage that. Yeah. I like what you're saying um, about Mexico being a kind of easy step, step into that world because one time zone in the sense that you don't, you're not adding too many layers too early. Mm -hmm. You're not making it mm -hmm. too hard on yourself. And then I don't think there's any country, especially for designers and developers that has had as much inter business interaction with the U.S. as Mexico. So there's a high likelihood of coming across people who have worked in some capacity with Americans before, 
And so they understand our way of being, which is if you think something's not a great idea, you can tell me. I'm not expecting you to like shut up for a week and then just hand me something like we can work on this together and that kind of thing. And yeah, and obviously one of the big perks of Mexico is that it's close. So if you do want to meet me in person for whatever, even if it's just like build the culture. Yeah. It can be done. Flights are not very expensive. Uh, obviously staying there is not crazy expensive. So if, if somebody was thinking about doing this, it probably behooves them to to take a little trip down there and meet with folks, get a sense of like, you know, what it's like to be down there. So, so you're just, you have something to reference versus just assuming. Um, but that's just me. I, I like to, I like it. If I'm going to do something and I'm going to invest in something or it's going to be like a, a big engagement, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to roll the dice or make it, make an investment, I want to be able to to physically understand what things how things are going to be, like the environments, everything. So I just, it helps me process things or feel better about uh, those things. So I, that's something I would encourage. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, want an ex- you want an excuse to go down to Mexico City. Well, it does, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been, I need to get to Mexico City. So that's it's on, it's on my list. Yeah, man. I think you'd love it. Never been. I bet the food's amazing. We, you, we could do a whole good. other podcast about, about the food scene, I bet. Yeah. It's crazy how, po- it's actually become like a, not just like Mexican food, but oh, yeah. on, like just beyond, like just fine dining in Mexico City has become a sort of world capital of. Oh, that. absolutely. But even the food cart scene and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. I bet it's, I was down and I spent a month in Oaxaca in 22. And oh, that was wild. All the mole, that's all the, great. just the beautiful artwork, the people, the it's yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful state. You got to start few office in Oaxaca. <laughs> That's what I need to do. Yeah, well, that would school. be yeah. No, I went there there in in actually also in twenty two in like the city of Oaxaca, not the beach. Yeah, yeah. In like the like in February or something. Yeah. And yeah, it is incredible. Like you really like the rest of the world does a disservice to Mexican food. Like, oh, like, yeah. we're going there. I just thought Mexico was Mexican food was like like I I knew that tacos that were soft shell existed but i was mm-hmm. oh i've had them once or twice but most tacos are like the crunchy stuff with the cheese and the ice lettuce and then you're like oh no actually there's this depth of cuisine it's, it's insane the amount of stuff they, they 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 have yeah well it's just like the u.s uh, seattle is not like miami miami's not like new york yeah it's absolutely. not like phoenix it's the variety is all over the place you know? yeah no Cool. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up. Anything else that you want to share with me? I, I just, I, I can't really, no, I don't have anything. I, like, like I said, I think that the, the world is super small these days. So it's, it's important to be mindful of it or you're going to be left behind. So. Cool. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Well, we have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed Please like in whatever shape, form, or service you're using, and subscribe. And stay tuned for the next one. Thanks.